You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses add value and prepare for the future. Welcome. My name is Yutunde Dania, and I am a partner at Trowers and Hamlins, and I also head up our Birmingham office. Welcome to this third instalment of our 10 years, 10 stories to celebrate our 10th anniversary. The pandemic has had such an impact on society that as we start coming out of the fog we've been living in, it seems that people are looking for a different type of experience. And as such, memory making is taking more of a centre stage. As such, the arts and culture play a prominent role in this And I'm excited to explore this even more with my friend, neighbour and the Chief Executive Officer of Mac Arts Centre, aka Midlands Arts Centre. Mac Birmingham is an arts complex hosting a theatre, dance, music, comedy performances, and it also contains a cinema along with workshops. Deborah, welcome. Thank you so much for agreeing to give your time up to come and speak to me today. It's wonderful. Thank you for inviting me to be part of your celebration year. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely, I'm the one that should be thanking you. Anyway, I want to start by, we can't ignore the pandemic. And I just wanted to know um, how Mac has coped during this last 12, 15 months. It's been really difficult. I mean, I think some sectors have probably coped rather better than others. So I think if you were to look at uh, entertainment, uh, arts, leisure, hospitality, it's we've really suffered because, of course, the pandemic has has been a sense of isolation. And the business that I'm in is bringing people together. So for us, it's been both sort of emotionally and financially incredibly difficult because we're an industry, we're an art centre that thrives on being cheeked by jowl, people rubbing alongside each other and uh, sharing experiences together. So yeah, it's been been very difficult. I I can absolutely imagine and appreciate that. And I, I think it's only right that I declare my interest in Mac Birmingham. I should have said at the in, in my introduction that I used to actually be on the board and I left a few years ago and I was also involved in the recruitment of Deborah when she took up her CEO post. So Deborah, as the restrictions lift, you know, you touched upon it in your previous answer, but what do you see as the role of arts and cultural organisations such as MAC? What part do you think they will play in the recovery of the city? That's a really good question. I mean, I think, first of all, uh, we're a business. We are a registered education charity, um, and that is our values and our vision to enable people to have a closer, much more fuller relationship with arts and culture. But as a business, we need to support the economy of the city. Okay, so our footfall uh, pre-COVID was one million footfall a year a year which is enormous amount so we are a very popular busy site that makes a lot of money we have to make about 80 percent of our own income through ticket sales cafe i always say cake and coffee really does make (laughs) uh really does bring art in you know really makes art work and so we need to get to contribute to that economy so that's the first thing i would say that's how we can help 
and all those suppliers and all the employment that we can offer on site. The other thing, of course, is just this notion of well-being. I think you will have probably been part of the uh, creative revolution during lockdown. How many of us have looked to baking or looked to um, doing creative art classes or watching creative stuff online? I think people have been much more interested in being uh, artistic themselves or certainly trying out different things because it makes them feel better. It's kind of improves the quality of their life. And I think a lot of that new learning or returning to things, you know, playing musical instruments or whatever it might be, I do believe that the British public will want to continue doing those things because I think it helps people, uh, helps them come together with their friends and family, which is incredibly important, seeing things, doing things together. But it also helps people's own mental health and well-being you know what I mean and I think that again is a really big part of what Mac can do because alongside all the theatre and cinema and comedy and all the things you described earlier we are also we serve a lot of courses and classes we do about 10,000 courses and classes every year it's one of our biggest financial growth um, in our business, people want to come on in, to Mac and they do yoga and they do painting and drawing and animation with the kids. They do all sorts of things. And I think that kind of activity will really help people get back into their lives and maybe really help them to think differently about their lives, actually. I think that's right, Deborah. I mean, you touched upon mental health and well-being, and certainly it's something that we have discussed more than any other time during the pandemic is that connection with our mental health, the recognition of the importance of well-being, And I certainly do think that people will take that forward post-pandemic. You touched upon the way in which people have come together during the pet pandemic and the difficulties in doing that. And of course, technology has played a big role in that. So I probably think there's very few people, regardless of what their age, who haven't been on, for example, a Zoom call or an Alexa call or something like that. So we can really see technology coming to the forefront. And I was just wondering, what role has technology played in making the arts more accessible to wider communities? I think that's a great question. I think tech and the way that we use tech, as you say, in every single generation, is something I think it's a sort of technical or digital revolution isn't it it's like the industrial revolution was in you know in the 1800s I mean it's just extraordinary of course there's barriers to technology isn't there some families some parts of the community can't access technology so that's something we as a sector but also the government etc we all need to ensure that people have good access to using it but certainly for us our services had to go immediately online um, as a charity we support so many community groups and we couldn't just leave them we, we you know we we're absolutely duty of care we want to continue working with them and um and so that idea of combating isolation for instance through different channels of communication through creative content like you say whether that's you know watching films or whatever it is it was incredibly important that we put our services online i mean it was interesting some of the fun things that we did we set up a lot of inclusive choirs uh, when we mean by inclusive, we work with a lot of uh, learning disabled young people and their families, and they come to Mac all the time. But of course, they couldn't get to us physically. So we set up lots of choirs, which 
Oh, really fantastic because I joined a few myself because there's nothing more fabulous than to singing along and, and being together um, online. And, and the thing about digital is you can put it up in your kitchen, you can put it in the living room, in your bedroom, whatever, and you can feel part of a community. So we saw lots of grandparents taking part who perhaps didn't live with their grandchildren, hadn't seen them for months, but they would tap in to a Zoom call on a Saturday morning and do some signing, learn to sign to some Motown tracks and that was incredible I mean absolutely gorgeous so normally those grandparents wouldn't come to Mac on a Saturday morning do you know what I mean and now they were taking part so actually I think it had a very positive effect some of the technology that we're able to set up we also set up a an elders a Chinese elders group we have a group of carers some ladies in their 70s really dynamic bunch great friendship circles and they didn't want to stop meeting each other so they uh, set up their own zoom we helped them do that and we paid for some musicians and, and yoga people and they were doing all sorts of crazy things online every single week so it was really important to us that we kept it fresh and innovative we taught people before they went online how to use it we even did demonstrations in people's gardens you know or through people's windows or doorways just to help them get online so I suppose there was a lot of camaraderie involved with getting tech ready um, and we enjoyed all of that we don't want to lose it I think when we come back in if we are truly an inclusive and diverse art centre then we have to recognise that some people will continue to use those services online because they really do value that and our reach can be wider you know rather than getting three buses to Mac again, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, they can just do it from their kitchen table. And I think there's a great value in that. So let's not lose all the positive things that we've learned through using technology in different ways. I, I absolutely love that, um, Deborah. Um, it really demonstrates that, you know, Mac is very much a community organization at its heart in terms of it going out into the community. I love that in terms of standing in doorways and dem giving demonstrations through people's windows. And I think that's really valuable. So just to look at the future, Deborah, what kinds of things have you got coming online in terms of the way in which Mac uses its technology? Well, as I said earlier, we've got lots of courses and classes. We're sort of like an art centre with, with an FE college wrapped around it. And we found, again, lots of people due to mobility, perhaps issues, or just that they live in different parts of the region, uh, want to engage with our services. So we're doing a lot more courses and classes online, lots of painting demonstrations, like I said, some exercise videos, all sorts of things. So that, again, will be a bit of a growth area for us to look at how we really do truly push out our artistic content and all our tutors we employ 80 tutors these are part-time artists real big workforce um, I think you'd agree and their role is to like I said to promote uh, creativity a lot through well-being activities actually and so we're going to really start to experiment about how we can um, how people can link up and um, be part of what we do so they don't necessarily have to come into a building anymore they can do it online that's absolutely brilliant. And of course, what it means is there are no barriers. So in effect, somebody could be in, I don't know, 
India doing a Mac art course, for example. I think that's I love that really... idea. I love that <laughs> idea. And I mean, and also we do a lot of music sessions. And interestingly, the, there's lots of people that haven't come back to use our music studios, but they are talking to the music tutors. So they're learning their trumpet at home and the, the tutor is in their home, but it's still a Mac activity. So that's really nice to be able to be, as you say, as flexible as possible to people's busy lives. And that's what we have to do. We're very good, I think, at, at flexing ourselves and listening to the public and sort of saying, you know, how can we best help you and and that's that's exciting you know it's interesting isn't it to be able to, it, to do that it, it really is it really is just moving away from technology one of the things that we were discussing a lot when I was on the board was the interaction between public and private so historically I'm aware that you received significant funding from the local authority but that started to change and I know, for example, that the Postcode Lottery is a big funder of Mac and the arts generally now. So how do you see the private sector in terms of its role in the funding of arts going forward? That's a really good question. So we're about, in good times, when we closed, we were a £5 million organisation, that was the income we received, and we had to make 80% of that ourselves, which equates to about 4 million. So we get the rest from uh, Public Purse, which is the Arts Council of England government body, the DCMS, and as you say, the People's Postcode Lottery, who are absolutely terrific. And the corporate, all those other private uh, and donations, of course, in the development is incredibly important, um, because it's about having that more involved, more partnership working. I think when I came into the arts a few years ago, um, the arts were offered, well not offered, but we, we sort of gained funding through checks, you know, checks would arrive and that kind of thing. And it would be for something very specific. Now, I think there's a real gear change in how arts organisations and charities work, for instance, with corporates. It's much more collaborative. It's much more about partnership working. It's about talking to companies, talking together to see how best we can benefit from each other's services or our skills and our colleagues, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a much more developed, much more interesting way of working. And we do benefit. We've just been, uh, we've just uh, been um, in a conversation with Eversheds at the moment. They're looking to give us a three-year sort of, I suppose we would call it in the old days, a sponsorship deal, but it was how uh, we're talking about how they can work with us in some of our community work. So it's a much more refreshing relationship, I think, we're having these days, but, but, but it is incredibly important. That's really, really interesting. And I guess also individuals have a role to play to a degree. I know certainly I sponsored a chair in the name of my late father recently, and I'm about to sponsor another chair. And I guess those are other ways in which people can get involved individually. I know, for example, there's a lot of focus on trying to appeal to people to give to charities and organisations in their in their wills. And I know this is something that Mac is also involved in. Yeah, I mean, you know, charities depend, some charities depend entirely on donations. And if you think about charities have been on the front line, you know, if you've, you've seen probably all over the news stories about um, food boxes and organ mental health organisations for young people. I mean, there's a whole range, isn't there? They're, they've been on the front line of this pandemic and they have been disproportionately hit because, of course, people, you know, you're seeing huge 
unemployment and people haven't always been able to give through the last year so more so than ever I you know I implored people to give the extra pound when they're buying mm. a music ticket or something because it genuinely and I mean it genuinely makes a difference and then there's all range of different initiatives all arts organizations including Mac will do the chair one is a brilliant one and I want to thank you so much for doing that I mean it, it's hugely important that people at any level can, can, can support their local arts center or charity or arts organizations because if we don't work together, we could lose some of these incredible facilities and we don't want that. You know, a really thriving city is one where all the community can engage with. And one of our most popular donations that we do is gift a ticket. So every Christmas when, and it's often grandparents actually that ring up for the Christmas show for the little ones, uh, for their grandchildren, whatever. We ask them if they would pay for an extra ticket, which we gift to children and their families in different parts of the city who wouldn't ordinarily through barriers with economic barriers or just through newly arrived communities who work a lot with refugee communities who perhaps just don't know our services you know it might be quite new to them and they would want this really beautiful welcoming sort of gift really as a family to come and, and to visit us and, and we look after them and we feed you know we give them their lunch for the day and that kind of thing and that is an incredibly popular uh, development um, initiative that we do and very very well supported so things like that I think is is incredibly beneficial both to those receiving that but also um, to people who are able to donate I mean it's just incredible and we have the most generous and thoughtful and loyal customers visitors to MAG and we care about them absolutely enormously we had one lady who was in her 90s and she used to come to pottery she'd been coming to pottery for 30 years since she retired uh, Muriel Wellsby, a lovely lady. And when she died, her family, local lady, um, asked that all the donations be given to Mac. And we bought, I think, about 20 new easels for the painting studio because of that donation. It was a lovely, beautiful gift to give to us. And it's things like that that can make a massive difference. It, it's a lovely way to have a lasting legacy, so to speak, because I think Mac will always remember those kinds of donations. And it, it's nice to be able to play that role in the community to make sure to contribute so that an organisation continues to thrive and serve the community that it's based in. Now, moving to community, Deborah, we've had this conversation a number of times about the fact that culturally, Birmingham is extremely diverse. And there is that concern that pre-pandemic, perhaps some of our arts and cultural organisations were not achieving that diversity of their audience and the people who engage with their organisations. And MAC is particularly interesting because it's based in Cannon Hill Park. Cannon Hill Park is based in an area that, that basically is adjacent to a number of very different diverse communities. So Deborah, I know that this is an ongoing uh, thing for you. How do you bring those communities? How do you attract them to Mac so that the audience, for example, is more reflective of the area in which it serves? 
I think that's, I mean, it's absolutely crucial, isn't it? The organization that I lead has to be reflective of the city and, it, and the joy and celebration of the diversity of the city. I mean, it's not an onerous task, can I tell you, <laughs> to um, look in my community and want to um, reflect that in, in the building, not at all. So I, the, the most important thing you have to do to ensure that you have that richness of diversity is to ensure that people see themselves on the screen, on the stage and on the walls. That is the most important. So that the work that you program, as we would call it, so whether that's ensuring that there's more female directors in our cinema, whether we have more black voices on our stage, that we give opportunity for um, uh, different types of music, um, in our outdoor theatre, and I think you experienced some of that quite recently. Um, so it's, it's really important that when people do come to MAC, they see themselves, they see their culture, they see their experience, they share with us their lived experience. And, um, and that's not just culturally, that could be in reflection of disability as well, which is incredibly important to me, and also age as well, so that culture isn't just about the young, um, it's also about showcasing work that's made by older people, which I think is really important as a society, we're getting older, and then also those lots of new communities, a lot of African communities coming to live in Birmingham, and we must, of course, you know, enjoy promoting work either by them, we had a big refugee celebration weekend a couple of weeks ago, part of the National Refugee Week. And we had the most gorgeous musicians newly arrived that came and felt it was a safe place for them to make their music. And I think that's really important. And the other thing to talk about is the price point. You know, we either do a lot of free activities, like we were talking about the Chinese elders group, which is free, and the inclusive choirs, which are all free, but also that the ticket prices are reasonable. And I think that's incredibly mm. important as well, so that people feel that economically it's not a barrier. And if it is, then we look at, as I said before, we do a lot of summer camps for kids, particularly in the local area, particularly with South Asian families, perhaps who, you know, they're quite large families. And um, and it's quite good when, when some of the kids, you know, some of the children from those families want to come and do arts camps with us over the summer. And uh, we make sure that, that they, that, you know, cost is not prohibited so that they're mm. able to join in. So we're very sensitive to that because, again, you know, we want to make sure that people can engage in, in the most fullest way with us. Uh, again, I, you know, I absolutely love the approach that Mac has in relation to in relation to ensuring that it brings all communities um, or it's attractive to all communities and the event that uh, Deborah alluded to I attended recently uh, it was a Lovers Rock concert with the likes of Carol Thompson and Janet Kay for those who are familiar with those artists because of the pandemic it was outside um, Mother Nature did its best and it rained heavily on us, but Mac provided everything to ensure that the concert could continue. It attracted a very diverse audience and it was really a really, really great event and people came from far and wide to attend it. So just wrapping up, Deborah, the other big thing that's happened um, since the pandemic has been upon us has been the whole Black Lives Matters incident predominantly last year and I was just wondering you know there's been lots of conversation about our history in this country and organizations really looking to bring about a lasting change and I was just wondering how things were at MAC and the kinds of conversations that you had 
uh, you know, around the Black Lives Matters movement? I mean, I think it's incredibly important systemically throughout all industries, not just arts and culture, of course. Um, I think it's an opportunity and, 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 and that work is done prior to this event, of course, but, but it's looking at systems, isn't it? Systems, policies, it's looking at a whole range of different things from recruitment through to salary bands. I mean, a whole range of different things. And then there's the art on top of it, you know. So for us, it's given us an opportunity to review. It's very important that we show best practice in this way. And again, that we take it seriously. We listen, you know, we want to, our values are that we're a listening and caring organization. We are compassionate. That is incredibly important to me. And one of the sort of ways we did that was when we had to decide on what we would, the art on the wall. So the, the art, the, when you walk into the mat, you will see a Van Lee Burke. It's a big window display. And for those of you who don't know Van Lee Burke, he is always called sort of godfather of British photography. He's based in Handsworth, came from Jamaica when he was a young boy at the age of 10, picked up a camera that his mum had sent him. She was a nurse here in Birmingham, would come earlier. And he became, through that love of photography, became this world-renowned photographer. So as soon as you walk into Mac, it's incredibly important for me that you see images, permanent images about the community, from the community as well. When we knew we were reopening, we opened with a number of large-scale and really beautiful photographic exhibitions by black female artists. And that was, again, really deliberate move. And as you walk, there's lots of images from young photographers, one of them 17, to much older photographers who are much more established. And, um, and again, we wanted people to see that, that, that critical energy, that beautiful dynamism that the, the photographs offer and to say, we're with you, we stand by you, we're here to help inspire you and listen to be part of this dialogue as we go forward. So I think sometimes you have to be that sort of blunt with it, really, you know, you have to uh, be assertive and, um, and talk about these issues um, and, and, and stand up for what you believe in, quite frankly. So it's, it's an honour to, to show those, to, to, the, to show these photographs at the moment. Deborah, I, I really appreciate what you have said there. And I can certainly say that every time I go to Mac, it feels like I'm coming home. It feels like I'm going into my living room, for example. The staff are really welcoming. I think you do take on board the issues of the day and you do react to them. And I think that really is amazing. So Deborah, that brings us to the end of our conversation. And once again, I'd really like to thank you for taking time out of your very busy day to come and talk to me. I hope the audience has enjoyed listening to this and please listen out for the other podcasts in this series. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.